Good morning, and if you have your Bible, please turn with me to Psalm 110, and we read this psalm together. Psalm 110. The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. The Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion. You will rule in the midst of your enemies. Your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in a holy majesty. From the womb of the dawn, you will receive the dew of your youth. The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The Lord is at your right hand. He will crush kings on the day of his wrath. He will judge nations, heaping up the dead, and crushing the rulers of the whole earth. He will drink from the, blood, uh, from the brook beside the way, and therefore he will lift up his head. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you again for this, your word, and we just would bring uh, these words before you as we seek your guidance, as we look at this psalm, and you might teach us what you would have us know this morning as we come in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, the title really for what we're going to look at this morning is The Promised Messiah, a Priest and a Sacrifice. You know, in the words of the carol, we can say, good Christians all rejoice with heart and soul and voice. We can do this because of who Jesus is, and he is far more than what many people expect him to be. Now, last week, we said that the people who were looking forward to the Messiah, this is the people of Israel, they expected a king, but they didn't expect that this king would have to suffer even though the prophets had told them that he would. So they needed to know that the Messiah would be a king. And they needed to know that the Messiah would suffer. Now, another thing that they didn't expect was that he would be both a priest and the sacrifice. Now, how could this possibly be? You see, this Psalm 110 we see in the first verse, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. In Acts 2 verse 24, Peter quotes from this verse as he makes it clear that David is not speaking about himself. And then as the psalm goes on, the Lord will extend your mighty scepter from Zion saying, rule in the midst of your enemies. In verse 3, your troops will be willing on your day of battle, arrayed in holy splendor, your young men will come to you like dew from the morning, the, the morning's womb. Now, if you look through this psalm, verses 5 right through to verse 7 are speaking about a king. But verse 4 says this, The Lord has sworn and will not change his mind. You are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. In this psalm, David refers to the Messiah, as I've said, as being both a king and a priest. And while this would be strange to the Israelites, God, through the words of David, makes it clear that he and his priesthood would not 
be of the order of Aaron, but of the order of Melchizedek, and that the Messiah would be a priest forever. So that first four, the Lord has sworn and will not change his mind, you are a priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. The people of Israel knew that the duty of the priest was to represent them before God. The priest would prepare the sacrificial animal and then they would present it to God as an offering on behalf of the people. And the high priest would once a year enter the holy place on their behalf to seek forgiveness for their sins and also for his sins. Now the writer of the book of the Hebrews in the New Testament confirms and explains the significance and the importance of this as he shows us that Jesus, the promised one, is a priest forever. Because in Hebrews chapter 4, we read this in verses 14 through to 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firm to the faith that we possess, possess, the faith that we profess. So there we have the name Jesus, the Son of God, who is our great high priest, the one who has ascended into heaven. And then it goes on, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to feel sympathy for our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are. Yet he did not sin. And then that passage goes on. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. So we come to God in the name of Jesus. And if you look at Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 10 says, and was designated by God to be high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Now, the Israelites who were looking forward to the coming Messiah would have known about Melchizedek because it was there in, in the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. And we can read about Melchizedek in Genesis chapter 14, where we're told that he was a priest of God most high and that he blessed Abraham, a title confirmed to us Again, by the writer of the Hebrews, Hebrews 7 verse 1. This Melchizedek was king of Salem, a priest of God most high. Let's stay in the book of Hebrews and look at verse six, uh, chapter 6 and verse 20. And the writer says this. Where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf, he has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. You know, Hebrews says an awful lot about this, and, and just one more verse from Hebrews, from Hebrews 7, verse 28. For the Lord appoints as high priest men in all their weaknesses, but the oath which came after the law appointed the Son, who has been made perfect forever. So, unlike Aaron, Jesus is our high priest, a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Jesus, the baby in the manger, 
is our mediator, the one who has entered heaven itself and stands between God and us. You know, we come to the New Testament and 1 Timothy, uh, or we stay in the New Testament and look at 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 5. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus. So Jesus, the Messiah, is our perfect priest forever. And that passage in Timothy reads on and it tells us about Jesus. It says, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been witnessed to at the proper time. Well, that phrase, who gave himself a ransom for all the people, this brings us to the second point about the Messiah, that the people of Israel struggle to understand, as well as being a, pri a priest. He would be the sacrifice. Notice that, not just a sacrifice, but the sacrifice. Even though the prophets had told them, and just like the two disciples on the road to Emmaus that we mentioned last week in Luke chapter 24, those two disciples who, even after the resurrection, were struggling to understand why Jesus had been killed. The Messiah would not only be our priest, but he would also be the sacrifice. You know, in the words of John the Baptist, as he introduced Jesus to both his followers and the people who he spoke to, and also when he pointed to Jesus and told some of his followers to follow Jesus. This is what he said. This is in John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming towards him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Now, all those who heard this would know what John meant by the words Lamb of God. Might sound strange to us, but to them, it was a direct reference to a sacrifice a sacrifice that will be made. The phrase would draw their attention to the events that we can read about in Genesis chapter 22 when Abraham was called by God to sacrifice his son Isaac and at the last minute God stopped him and the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. You know, this is a, a horrific thing that Abraham has been asked to do. And we can sort of balk at this. How could God ask Abraham to do this? How could Abraham even attempt to do it? Well, the point is, it is to show us how awful it is that someone had to die for our sins. And the only one who could die was God's only son. This was 
to show that God would not spare his own beloved son. But in the words of Abraham, and this is what Abraham said on that occasion, he said, God himself will provide a lamb. They would also be familiar with this other passage from the prophet Isaiah, because this is what Isaiah said in chapter 53, verse 7. He was oppressed and afflicted. And remember, he's speaking about the Messiah, the one who is to come, the one that these people are waiting for. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he didn't open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep before its shearers is silent, he did not open his mouth. You see, they knew this prophecy, but they couldn't see that the Messiah who would be a king, that the Messiah would suffer. They could see that he would be a priest, but they couldn't see that he would become a priest and also become the sacrifice. They were also told that he would born, be born in a stable at the back of an inn. And they struggled to, struggled to understand that as well. But we can, we can not only have the word of the prophets, we have the words of those who saw the prophecies come true. And we have the words of the one who is the Lamb of God. So we're very privileged in our day to be able to know these things. 1 Peter 1 verse 18 through to 20. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver and gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Now, what will we do this Christmas? What will we do with these facts that we know are true? They were revealed in the Old Testament. They actually happened, and we've got the accounts of them in the New Testament. Well, in the words of the Apostle, 1 Corinthians 5, verse 7 to 8, Paul said this, Get rid of the old yeast, so that you may be a new unleavened batch as you really are for Christ our Passover lamb has been sacrificed therefore let us keep the festival not with the old bread leavened with malice and wickedness but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth and you know if we do that if we do take Jesus as our saviour, if we do bring our sinful hearts to him and seek his forgiveness, then by the power of what he did on the cross, he can do that for us. And when we do that, what can we look forward to? Well, let's finish with a few verses from Revelation. Revelation chapter 5. This is what it says in verse 11 through to 12. And I looked and heard the voice of of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands, and ten thousand times ten thousand, they encircled the throne 
and the living creatures and the elders in a loud voice. They were saying, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. Let me repeat that bit again. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honour and glory and praise. You know, that's why we can enjoy Christmas. That's why we can sing carols. Carols like, Good Christians all rejoice with heart and soul and voice. Let's pray. Father, we pray that this will be a blessed Christmas as we remember not just the baby in the manger, but we remember the Son of God who hung upon the cross and the one who is ascending into heaven, who is our mediator, our priest in the heavenly place and our priest who is the sacrifice. And we bring these things to you in the precious name of Jesus. Amen.